This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I thought I'd mix it up a little bit today. It doesn't work. Start it over. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Yeah, that's about right. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today, kids, a lesson. Never gamble. To prove my point, I have this lottery ticket. Just going to scratch this and and then in this and, oh, my God, I want 10 bucks. <laughs> what, what, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> on today's show, we definitely didn't gamble on this guest, a woman who moved to the tough streets of Chicago to save money. Please help us welcome Aja McClanahan. Plus, we'll share headlines ripped from the financial press, throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener, and still wash it all down with some incredible corn trivia to celebrate National Corn on the Cob Day. And now, two guys who longtime fans know are both big fans of corn and cheese, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Why do they call stuff cheesy when cheese is so good? You know what I like is that Mexican corn and cheese and the styrofoam with the butter and the chili powder and all the Hashtag deliciousness. Yum. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mexican Corn and Cheese Show. I'm Joe Salcija, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me again for another glorious Wednesday, it's Mr. OG. I'm here. You know who really is here? Aja McClanahan. We, we've needed to get this woman on the show because she has a story. The team, while we're putting the story together, I'm telling them about Aja and about her story. And they're like, this is an amazing story. Of course. Who else are we going to have on the Stacky Benjamin Show? Come on. Both of our listeners deserve decent guests, OG. Both of them. I thought we were up to three uh, listeners now. Well, now that we've got your mom in the fold, I suppose we do have three. That's right. And you know what all three of our listeners need, OG? They all need Slack so they communicate much better with people on their team. We use Slack here in the basement. We, we live on Slack. Thanks to Slack for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Slack is the collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop. And key information is always at their fingertips and the ball doesn't get dropped. Learn more at slack.com. Also, Stacky Benjamins is brought to you by Magnify Money, where the average person who goes there saves $450. How do you get your four and a half Benjamins? 
take a look. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, the site that makes it easy for you to compare, ditch, switch, and save, whether it's your savings account, your checking account, those credit cards that you just can't pay off, consolidation loans. They got a fantastic blog OG. It's a great place to go. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Ajat McClanahan coming down to the basement. Jamie Wise is here. Maybe a little belatedly here. We'll explain that in a minute. But first, we've got a headline, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Well, this is a crappy headline. Comes to us from USA Today. Did you see this one? Woman charged $7,000 for Amazon toilet paper delivery. Gets a refund more than two months later. What uh, okay, I see your I see your joke now. I'm like, she got a refund. How did she order seven thousand dollars worth of uh, shit paper? <laughs> it took more than two months, but the Georgia woman charged seven thousand four hundred fifty five dollars to have three cartons of toilet paper delivered from Amazon was refunded a couple weeks ago. The culprit, likely an unfortunate combination of an Amazon seller who overcharged for shipping, breaking Amazon rules, a buyer failing to check the final delivery bill, and an Amazon customer service system that stumbled. The story began March 2nd when Barbara Carroll, Berkeley Lake, Georgia, ordered three boxes of palm toilet paper. Mm. That's the triple ply stuff. I like that. Nothing messy about that. For two office buildings she manages using the company's debit card. Each box held 48 rolls. Imagine that charge showing up on the debit card. Could you imagine? And especially a small business. Like yours are yours are mine, where it's like, whoa, 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 what, what? happened? There are multiple sellers yeah. on Amazon that stocked a particular product, and she chose one called the Ideal Store. The cost for the toilet paper was $88.17. Carol clicked two-day okay. shipping, then buy. She was done. Two days later, after toilet paper arrived at the building, it was all set, or so she thought. Less than a week later, Carol was doing a regular check of the bank account when she discovered a deduction dated March 6th for $7,543.17. When she went into her Amazon account, she found she'd been charged $88.17 for the toilet paper and $7,455 for the delivery. Did they walk it from the manufacturer to... uh Three people just stroll down the sidewalk for two straight days. Is that how they? You know those Budweiser commercials where they're going along with the team of Clydesdales? I don't think yeah. even those cost $7,000. I can't bucks. imagine. Carol, like an estimated 63% of Amazon's U.S. customers, is a member of the company's Prime membership program, which for $119 a year gives customers free two-day shipping with other perks, something Prime members come to expect and can sometimes forget isn't available on every product. As a longtime Prime member, Carol wasn't worried. Quote, as soon as I saw that number, I knew I didn't have to worry because Amazon would see it was a problem and fix it right away, she told USA Today. That's not what happened. Carol called Amazon's customer service multiple times, and each time the person who opened her file laughed and said the delivery fee obviously was crazy. But then they poked around a little more and would tell her she had to take it up with the ideal company, the third-party seller from whom she bought the toilet paper. Amazon basically said, I know you bought it through our site. Not my problem. That's surprising, too, because Amazon's always been so awesome, right, on their customer service and delivery and refunds and all that sort of stuff. In fact, nowadays, when you do a refund to Amazon and you print the label, as soon as that label is scanned you know, the UPS guy scans it, they credit you right then. They go, all right, it's already in the mail, so we're going to credit you the money back. Didn't do it this time. S super easy. Okay. Because of the th third-party seller. 
we've had some issues lately, even on our end with Amazon and a friend of ours, actually a guy who's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations to our friend Dave Jackson going into the podcasting. Did you know there's a podcasting Hall of Fame? Oh, Dave, okay. No, Dave, I didn't. Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting, headed to the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. Good job, Dave. Congratulations to him. But anyway, he got kicked out of Amazon for the second time. It was just going over the terms of service. Basically, it appears that they want people like you and I to uh, basically do a lot of marketing for them and then figure out a way to kick us out of their program so that uh, they don't have to pay us. But- well, there's two different ways, right? There's the, you know, we're talking about the retail side as a consumer. You know, there's people that make money on Amazon too, right? Yeah. So some of it, like this company that you're talking about that fulfills orders for them. And then there's also people that link people together. <laughs> you know, I've had nothing but good things about Amazon. Bezos is doing me right. You and Jeffy Jeff getting on. J-Dog is what I call him. Uh, so she also, to continue this, uh, she got in trouble with uh, the managers of the building, the owners of the building, whose debit card had been charged, and they started putting pressure on her. I think that that checking that fine print up front might have helped out. I also think checking the, the the bank balance and you know you don't have to do that you don't have to do that manually. I use Clarity Money and very quickly can see what expenses came through the mm-hmm. day before and they make it so easy and Clarity Money if you want to sponsor the show that's great joe at stackingbenjamins.com just shoot me an email we can talk. Or just send some PayPal money. Just That's what, cool too. Just whatever. Yeah. Send us $7,500 with toilet paper, whatever you want. Uh, I can very quickly just look at the day before his transactions and just do a quick mm-hmm. skim. The fact that she waited a week, delayed it a week, um, and became a made it an issue. Well, you can also set up most debit cards, credit cards, whatever, banks, right? You can set up third-party alerts, right? So you can set up different transaction levels, like alert me every time I spend more than 500 bucks or alert me, you know, that sort of thing. And or so you can just cap it. You can also cap it. I know that for a while we that's had- That's what our- I do to your debit card for the business. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no more than $26. I'm the, subs. Cause that's I, it, dude. I'm the spender in this family. <laughs> I'm totally the spender. You got to put me Which on is, a leash. It's so funny because we exactly have different roles. No joke, right? In my family, mine might be the spender. But in our relationship, I'm definitely the, why did you go to a Subway yesterday? That sandwich cost us $6. What are you talking about? It better have been good. Hey, our second headline uh, we're going to go to here here in a second. Uh, we got to pull back the curtain just a little bit. Jamie Wise, our social media correspondent, was supposed to be on about three weeks ago. And we had a guest that unfortunately had to cancel at the last minute. We thought they were coming right back. They still haven't come back. So this is live via tape. Uh, Jamie Wise came down to the basement. And in our second headline, let's talk about the buzz from social media. Our social media correspondent, Jamie Wise from the Buzz Index coming down the stairs. How are you, man? Hey, great to be back down here, Joe. How are you? Happy spring. Well, uh, happy spring to you. I can't believe What did spring start in Toronto like yesterday? Yesterday, officially, uh, well, officially based on the weather at least. But yes, finally, the ice has melted. Crazy snow and then 80 degrees, the more snow, more 80 degrees. But let's talk about what's not snowy, what's heated up. I'm looking at the one-year return for the Buzz Index, which a disclaimer for everybody. This is in my portfolio as well. So do your own homework on the Buzz Index, but I own it. Uh, One-year return looks like about 24% for the Buzz Index versus 10% as we record this for the S&P 500. Congratulations on a nice last 12 months. 
Thank you. Nice to lock that in and nice to see the algorithm doing what it should, which is picking up um, ever-growing levels of stock-specific posts and mentions across online platforms. But what's really happening, we got to thank the community. Thanks to the Stacking Benjamin users out there who are online talking about stocks, because the more conversation we have, the more stocks we can analyze, the better the machine can do at picking out the real standouts from that from that conversation. Well, and as always, when you're here, I want to dive into the buzz. But first, there's an elephant in the room. Tell me about this uh, Bloomberg coverage, man. How neat is that? You know, I'm Sometimes uh, I guess the word just gets out. Um, so we had no idea that we were going to be featured on that weekly show. It's ETF IQ, Eric Balchunas, who is you know really known as the ETF godfather out there in terms of covering the space and, and really tracking the flows. He has this new weekly show. And at the end of the show, they have uh, a little segment that's called There's an ETF for that. And uh, picking up, I think, probably on some of the good performance that we've had in the index, some of the innovative ideas and uh, uh approaches that we use. Uh, they wanted to help spread the word, just like we're doing here today on the show. And they they really created this neat little video. Next thing I know, a friend of mine happened to see it and sent me a text saying, I didn't know you guys would be featured today. And uh, so that was a, a lot of fun and a really neat video. Uh, Joe, I'll get you to send out the link to all your listeners. After yes. The show. Yeah. We'll have it uh, in our show notes at stackybedjamins.com. Also, people that belong to our close Facebook group got that uh, was the second that we heard about it. Actually, you posted it there for us. I posted was, it because yes. I had to thank the community. It's part of your community that helps really uh, drive this for, for our little ETF here. So big thank you and a shout out to everyone there who, who cares to engage. Appreciate well, it. Well, let's get down to it then. We're, you're here to talk about social media, enough high-fiving. Let's, let's, now, let's now dig in and talk about what's going on social. Sector-wise, what sectors uh, do people seem to be watching on social media right now, Jamie? Yeah, well, we had a couple notable shifts uh, in the last rebalance uh, last month. Um, the first one we should talk about is the materials sector. And, and we probably touched on it the last time we spoke because, of course, Donald Trump and his tariffs on steel really got people um, sort of geared up that that could be the start of something new and a new run in those material stocks and you know, names like U.S. Steel and such. That sentiment faded quickly. This was the quickest sector turnaround we've ever seen in the buzz index, where we an eight percent weight in materials went all the way down to less than one percent. Wow! And yeah, and you know what? It it was timely, right? Because people realized that uh, this goes back to that concept of diminishing returns of influence. In that, you know, once the president or anyone else that we think might be influential says something doesn't necessarily play out that way and people see that quicker than you would expect. So while we saw that big short-term jump, it faded very quickly. And sure enough, the sector faded along with sentiment. And since we took down our exposure and materials, that sector has been one of the worst performing sectors over the last three or so weeks since we rebalanced down 4%. So a good move on behalf of measuring sentiment there to get out of materials but maybe another sector that we were a little early on is consumer staples and financials, which really actually increased their weights. They probably took it from materials mm. into consumer staples, also underperformed, just a little less than materials. So I guess a good swap, same with financials. You know, we picked up about 200 basis points by doing that change. Um, 
but nevertheless, those indexes uh, still underperforming over the last three weeks. Yeah, it's interesting. Just before you and I uh, sat down to do this, I was upstairs with mom watching CNBC, and I saw uh, Kramer talking about Kraft Heinz as an example of a stock that's just been <laughs> just just been through the ringer. That stock's done horribly, and he said, you know, it might be time for a buy. But but he also said that you've got interest rates really weighing on a lot of these stocks. Are you seeing that a lot in the buzz index? The interest rates are kind of weighing on these big names? I, I think what we're seeing are some contrarian calls collectively um, from the community. And whether that's on the consumer stocks like you know Kraft Heinz or other names that are coming into our index or the financials, right? So we hear a lot of conversation with interest rates now, right? The 10 years ticking towards 3%. More importantly, we're seeing this flattening yield curve, right? Which you know, people think is a warning sign and certainly would be negative to financials, right? Stocks of, you know, banks make money by borrowing short and lending long. So a steeper yield curve is generally viewed by analysts as a good environment to own financials in. Well, we're seeing a flattening yield curve environment, but we're seeing more positive sentiment on financials. So what is it that we're picking up or that the community is picking up on? Is it that the stocks have fallen too far ahead of the potential earnings uh, uh, earnings compression that might come out of a flattening yield curve? Somehow we're seeing people perceiving these stocks as being of better value now, and we're seeing the weightings reflect that in the index. I've noticed too in financials, uh, just reading a lot of reports that you know advisory services uh, things, you know, where where they're either advising companies or advising individuals, like those fees are going through the roof. I think a lot of people worried about what to do next. But new in the index, Discover Financial. So you might be onto something. <laughs> What's well? Uh, let me ask about a different company, Facebook. Obviously, uh, Mark Zuckerberg very famously about a week ago said it's been an interesting year for them. It's been a tough year for them. What is what's happened in the Buzz Index when it comes to Facebook? Well, you know, we started off, we've had a lot of good news stories in Buzz, and we talked about them when we started our chat today. We, You know, no AI, no community gets everything right. Facebook is one that everyone got wrong, right? Uh, at least in this sense. So we saw Facebook, which had been a consistent name in the index and really delivered and helped drive performance over time. When all of these scandals broke, I mean, sentiment cratered. <clears throat> excuse me, and cratered faster than we've really ever seen on any stock, especially a stock of that size. Out it comes from the index. The stock's rallied 5% since then. So we don't always get them wrong. We do see sentiment coming back. Um, you know, I think the company is really trying to uh, correct the the damage control, right? They're in big time damage control. They they moved too slowly when the scandal broke. But now, whether it's on Capitol Hill or yesterday, Facebook had a big developer day conference. And it's all about addressing these issues consistently, apologizing and sort of laying out a path for a better future. We'll see how it goes. Sentiment is coming around slowly. Uh, we'll see if Facebook can make it back in the index, but the stock has certainly bounced off the lows. I'm I'm running along, but I got two more names for you. Uh, the next one is Starbucks, obviously in the news with the Philadelphia situation. How does something like that affect a company like Starbucks in the social media world? Uh, muted, generally muted. I think the um, the media give it more attention than investors give it. Yeah. Um, it's a branding story, but it's not viewed by investors as a long-term detriment to the brand or a long-term uh, sort of 
action that could ultimately affect the valuation of the company or sales going forward. Well, so I, I think it's a short-term branding problem for Starbucks, but it's not an, a potential existential problem like some of the scandals Facebook was facing. Right, right. No, and I thought that the PR firm, different than with Facebook, really got out – I mean, not the PR firm, but just their whole PR machine – Got right. out in front of it, tried to make some changes, and whether it was enough or not is a whole different. That's a different podcast, Jamie. But but, but I've got, I've got one one more name. The new kid on the block since you've been here last is Spotify. Are we getting any Spotify sightings yet? We're not. As Spotify has not been in our index. It has not met the number of minimum threshold conversations or data posts for us to uh, include it one way or another. So new kid on the block. Uh, certainly getting uh, media attention, not getting enough attention from the investment community uh, to warrant uh, any meaningful allocation within the index I or love any allocation for that matter. But stay tuned. I love that, though. I mean, I mean, very, very, very bluntly. I really like the fact that, you know, it has to for your index, it has to have a medium threshold of people talking about it before we do anything, because otherwise I think the buzz index would be all over the place. Absolutely. And that's why this is not you know, a short-term trading strategy. It's not about what Spotify is going to do in the next hour. It's trying to identify longer-term trends. And if you want to identify longer-term trends and changes within them, you need to have longer-term deep amounts of data to analyze to get confidence in any changes in, in sort of the overall level of discussion. The ticker we symbol. Need, we need more. <laughs> Bring us more, Spotify. Come on. Uh, the, the ticker symbol is BUZ. If you had to stack Benjamins.com forward slash B-U-Z-Z. You guys also have an awesome newsletter whenever buzz happens. Yeah, every month when we post the changes to the index, it's the third Thursday is the rebalance. So within a day or so, uh, we'll send out a newsletter not only highlighting which names are buzzing in and out of the index, but we'll spot we'll spotlight a couple of uh, either sectors or stock-specific stories that we think are interesting and worth a deeper dive. So it's worth a look. And you can also sign up for that newsletter. It'll go right into your inbox. And of course, you can see all the holdings of the buzz index at buzzetfs.com or buzzindexes.com. There's a holdings tab there, real time, every day, complete transparency, see which names are trending up and down. Awesome, Jamie. Thanks a ton for hanging out again this month. Great being here. Thanks, Joe. Amazing, OG, how the Buzz Index just keeps rocking. Love it. I think the takeaway here, though, is wipe away your messy problems. See, I, I interpreted that learning a different way. Like, could we not just sell one thing and charge like a million dollars in shipping and then let them kick us out of the program? There it is. Deal. That, that's, that's the real lesson. <laughs> kick us out afterwards. As long as you get to keep the money, who cares? That's the real right. lesson here, kids. I don't think Story Hour with Joe and OG would have like that. <laughs> like that. <laughs> And that we want. And that's why, kids, you should always be nice to the wolf when you're going to grandma's house. And that's why you should always wash your. Hello! <laughs> Asha. Visiting a. <laughs> Asha McClanahan upstairs talking to mom. She has a very unique story. She went to a place that one documentary called Chirac. It was known locally as a war zone. And, uh, very difficult place to live. She, on purpose, moved there with her family because she desperately needed to save some money. Obviously, the story worked out, or we wouldn't have her. Spoiler, that the story works out. But here with here with her story, we're going to start from the most painful part, Aja McClanahan coming down to the basement. 
Natasha, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad you could join us in the basement to talk about your amazing story. And I have to tell you, you know, we do three shows a week. And when our team, when I was telling them your story, they go, that's an amazing story. I'm like, well, hello. That's why we're having Aja on, because this is awesome. But it wasn't awesome, <laughs> right? It wasn't awesome. You're moving into, I want to start here. You're moving into this house, which you got from your family for free. Why would somebody give you a free house? Well, because it was in the ghetto. <laughs> There are bullet holes in the back door. Not an exaggeration. That actually, that's true. And it's still true because we haven't replaced one of the doors. <laughs> but you've replaced a bunch of other stuff since then. We have. It's pretty much redone. We've done a couple of bathrooms. We've made it look pretty now. We've redone the kitchen. It's nice now. When you first heard that you were getting this house, what was your first thought? At first we were like, thanks, but no thanks, because we're, we're suburbanites. So my husband and I, we were reared in the suburbs. We are suburban kids, like to the core, like really. <laughs> so we didn't want to go moving into the inner city because presumably that's what our you know parents sacrificed for. That's what they sent us to college for. So we were like, no thanks. But then we were like, wait, we're broke. So we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back then to the point that you're broke. Cause this is where we're going to end up guys. We're going to end up in this house with bullet holes in the door. How did you get there? We found ourselves in a lot of debt. My husband and I had combined $60,000 worth of student loans. And then on top of that, we purchased a luxury SUV and I had miscellaneous like credit card debt. So all in all, we were like $120,000 of debt. We had really no assets. You know, we didn't even own a house, which was really sad. So we were just basically drowning in debt and we needed a way out. We started the process by like moving in with my mom and <laughs> we knew we couldn't live there forever. And so this family member came to us and said, Hey, I just inherited this house. I don't want to live in the hood. Do you? <laughs> and at first we said, no, we don't want to live in the hood either. But then we thought more about it and we were like, we don't want a mortgage. We need to get out of debt. So we, we eventually said yes. But I want to go back to your lifestyle at the beginning, though. Luxury SUV, lots of debt. It's like at that time, Aja, you and your husband weren't even really thinking about budgets. No, we were basically doing what everybody was doing around us, right? You go to school so that you can afford stuff on monthly payments. So we had lots of payments. That's what we, we were very successful at that lifestyle. But at one point we just realized we didn't want to do it anymore. Why do we have so much debt? Why, you know, do we have to work so hard and we didn't even own anything? So I think the turning point for us is we were, we were renters and my husband went to drop off our rent check one day to our landlord who seemed not to have a job, even though he said he did. And he just seemed to like live this really carefree life. And we were like, you know, he's not that much older than us. Why, why are we doing this? And that's when we were like, you know what, we, we have to make a change. If we're going to build wealth, if we're going to have something, we have to attack this debt. And we made a really urgent plan, probably stupid, but it, it, it worked out, you know, it worked out. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like it was, when you say it was an urgent plan, you didn't take a long time to change. No, probably like the day he dropped off the rent check and had his little rant. I was like, wait, you're off in a couple of days. Let's move. I'll call my mom. Oh and my so like God. literally in a week, within a week, we had moved out of this man's house <laughs> and my mom let us move in for free. She didn't charge anything, but I called her like, Hey mom, I think we're moving in tomorrow. And she's so nice. She was totally game. Like, okay. 
I think she was happy to have us. But I want to also say we did it with integrity. We did find another renter. We just didn't skip out on our lease. That's nice. Did you ever find out what the landlord did for a living? Did he just own a bunch of houses? No, he d- he actually worked. I w- he worked at like a computer company or something, but just had a really flexible schedule where he'd like do Ironmans in Hawaii. And he just had all these weird things that he would do, but just a really flexible job, I guess. So you move in with mom and there's a lot of people listening that go, I know, Joe, that you work in your mom's basement, but I don't, but I, I don't want to live with mom. Did, did, for you, it might be one thing because it's your mom. How did your husband feel? He was okay with it because he knew that it wasn't forever. And it wasn't like, oh, we want to live with mom so we could just like buy more stuff. As soon as we moved in, we were like paying down debt like gangbusters. We were saving money like crazy. We hit the ground running. It was not like some laid back vacation for us. It was like, we're going to be here for a little while. And then we got to go to the next point in life, whether that was like renting somewhere else or getting a house or something like that. But yeah, there was a plan involved. Did that plan involve spreadsheets, involve technology? Did you put money in different envelopes? I mean, how did it work? we're kind of old. So this is, it kind of started like maybe 10 years ago. So that we didn't have all the cool apps and everything, <laughs> but I am a spreadsheet nerd. So towards the end of our journey, there were more apps and things like that, but I did definitely track our budget with spreadsheets. Every month I was always trying to find money to pay off debt. And then part of the journey too, was like, I ended up starting a business, a business that didn't fail, like the first one that got me into a bunch of debt. And that actually accelerated our debt elimination process. But yes, technology, I'm a spreadsheet nerd. And that's how I managed everything. I love that spreadsheet, but also the side hustle to bring in more money. Tell me about the business. So it evolved. I started a translation company and that's when I got into a bunch of debt. And then I was like, I'm just not good at this. Um, Not the translation part. I would have other people do that. It was like getting clients. So I ended up working for another translation firm. Just when you work for one niche, people in the industry are like, oh, you know, I like to work with you. So I started doing sales and marketing consulting, which eventually turned into database consulting. So I would implement Salesforce databases for people from home. And um, I had maybe like three or four people working with me. And it was it was a great moneymaker. I had a lot of great clients. I ended up moving into nonprofits, um, doing databases for them as well. So, yeah, that developed over like eight years. And it was it was a great source of money when it you know, when it was up and running. How long did you live with your mom? About a year and a half, like two. two. Okay, during that time, how much uh, debt were you you able to pay down of the what, hundred and twenty thousand dollars? Oh my good. If I had to guess, because I don't know the numbers offhand, I would say maybe like thirty to thirty-five thousand okay. probably came off during that time. And then you hear about this house. And by the way, this neighborhood where this house was, uh, Spike Lee has a movie called Chirac. Th- that's the neighborhood you moved into. Yeah. The movie is referencing my neighborhood. They even filmed many of the parts in my neighborhood. So that's where I live. But I, I only say that I love my neighborhood, by the way. I still live here. But I only say this when I say ghetto, the hood. Some people get offended and they're like, we don't live in the hood and the ghetto. I agree. I have a very high quality of life. But I say that so people can understand the magnitude of what we did to escape financial turmoil. You heard first about the house living with your mom or did you already know about the house your entire life? No, no, no. We were living with my mom and then our relative called and said, hey, I got this house. 
I really don't even know if I could sell it <laughs> because it was just in bad shape in a bad neighborhood. If you want it, you can have it. There's no mortgage. Just clean it up, fix it up, and then you can move in and you can stay there. And we're just like, thanks, but no thanks. But, you know, again, like I said, about a week or so went past and my husband's like, didn't we say we didn't want to be like in any more debt? This actually fits into that plan. I'm like, but it's in the hood. I promise. Summer. People think like, oh, you're black. You just fit into the hood. And it's not automatically like that. Like they're still, I mean, people can spot us a mile away. They're like, they're from the suburbs. <laughs> Some of these people don't act like the others. Yeah. it's. But you know what the other amazing part is? Um, there are other families here like us who are the property here. It's cheap. The property taxes are cheap. And Chicago is an expensive place to be. So there are actually more people moving in to take advantage of that because, you know, Americans are broke. <laughs> and, and you said the neighborhood's getting better. It is. We A few years ago, we got like a Whole Foods and a Starbucks and a Chipotle and some other things like big city job centers and stuff are coming here. So it, it worked. It actually worked out. It's been almost 10 years, but it's steadily improving. Paint a picture of the house when you first went there. Yeah. I mean, it was this, it's kind of like a family house where a lot of people have lived here. You know, there are a lot of things that were in disrepair. You know, it's just an old, old house. It's probably built in the 1920s or something like that. Leaky roof, old kitchen, like I'm talking those metal cabinets from the 50s. I don't know if you remember those. Yes. Or... Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's <laughs> so funny. What's funny is I'm thinking of my wife's grandmother who still had those cabinets. I mean, yes. That's what we're talking. So, yeah, it took us a while. We fixed up little by little. We whenever we get some money, we do some things, but we made it livable, you know, coming in. And next to us actually was a an abandoned house that would look like if you touched it, it would collapse. And it took us like seven years to deal with the city. So they finally demolished it. But when we first moved in, we heard that there were like drugs and guns stashed in there and people would be like in and out. But eventually that maybe a few months after we moved in, that went away because we were there and we were kind of watching over it. But yeah, there were definitely some situations going on in the neighborhood and and even close by. And the debt payments continued then. Uh, How long did it take you to pay off the debt? About three years after we moved in, we paid off the rest of our debt. And like I said, the numbers are sketchy because I don't remember every single thing because there was once a time where we actually went back into debt. So, you know, overall was probably like a 10 year process. But if we condense the timeline, maybe it took us five or six years if, if we just you know, count when we were like really aggressive and gazelle intense, as Dave Ramsey would say. (laughs) If you had one lesson for somebody listening to, to kind of learn from your situation, let's start with what you did well. What would be the big takeaway from you and your husband's lessons here? Well, I would say that we knew where we wanted to go. And so there was almost nothing that was off the table. Like there was a time where we had a moratorium on paper towels. We were like, my husband's like, no, you're not, we're not going to do paper towels. (laughs) And until this day, he still hides a stash of paper towels that I don't know. I don't know where it is because we'll just use too much. So there were some other more extreme things we did, but yeah, moving into the hood was one of them. Um, so I, I would say like, don't be afraid to stretch your limits. If you really want 
to be free from debt, if you want financial freedom, there are some things that you're going to have to do to get it. I love your story and I love the idea of uh, trade-offs. And you definitely made made some big, big, big trade-offs. What about doing it faster? Like there's always, no matter how fast you go, there's some things you look back on and you're like, I should have done this and it would have been so much better. What, what, what would that be? I'm trying to think what could we have done, but probably the car. We got a car for like $30,000, like a little bit before we were super gazelle intense, but we were still trying to get out of debt. But I had this epiphany like, oh, I still need this $30,000 car. So that definitely added to the timeline. We did end up paying it up early, but it was something that we didn't need. If I could go back, I probably would have gotten like a little beater for cash, but I mean, I still drive that car today. It's over 10 years old, and I probably can get another 10 years out of it. That's, that's, it's a luxury car. It's a foreign car, it, but I'll get another 10 years. That's the way I feel about my Trailblazer. I'm like 200,000 miles. <laughs> I think it's missing a cylinder forever. Not sure where I dropped that, but baby, that thing's going to last me a long, long, long time. Now what's cool, Aja, is that you teach people how to do better with their money. So let's talk for a second about what you do at uh, Principles of Increase, because I love I love the site. You talk about dumping debt. You teach people how to increase their income, how to build wealth. Yep. So I started that website about a month after we paid off all of our debt in 2013. So I started in 2014 because people kept asking me, oh my goodness, how did you pay off over $120,000 worth of debt? I was like, well, firstly, I moved in with my mom, then I moved to the hood. <laughs> but there's some other more practical things you can do if you don't want to do that. And so I created the site as a way to like mass mentor people just to get them familiar with the ideas of budgeting, putting away money in your 401k or investing, uh, side hustling. All of that is a part of like setting your financial situation straight. And people are on different parts of their journey. So those are kind of like the three pillar things that I teach at Principles of Increase. And, you know, people can go to my website, get on my email list, and I send out weekly snippets and tips on like just how to handle your money better. And sometimes I'll do videos on YouTube. So yeah, those are, there's a few different places you can find me. I'll link to that. I'll link to your YouTube page. I'll link to the website on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. I found when I was a financial planner, a lot of people, Aja, were making the same mistake. Like there's some mistakes that just keep happening over and over. What's the biggest mistake you see people just consistently make? One thing I feel like people don't get, and I didn't get this either, was, okay, you create a budget, but then you stick to it. So if you say you're going to spend $200 a month for groceries, which is really low if you have a family, but yeah. some people do it, or whatever your budget is, say it's $500 for groceries. And then when that money is gone, when you've hit that limit, then you stop. You actually say no to yourself. And this, I don't want to sound condescending or look down on anybody because I did this. I'd be like, I don't understand why I don't have any money. Well, I make this beautiful budget. And then I'd be like, you know, I want to have lobster today or something. Well, I want to eat lobster. Whatever is really <laughs> expensive. Right. And I just do it. So I would just encourage people, if you're struggling with the idea of a budget, because people are like, it doesn't work for me, you have to set it and then you have to stick to it. Yeah. I, it's so funny that you say that because a lot of my job as a financial planner, and I'm sure your job too, is just holding the mirror up saying, this is what you said you wanted. Is that really what you wanted? Or did you want the lobster to your point? Yeah. Uh, the site is Principles of Increase. And like I said, we'll link to it on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Aja, thanks a ton for coming down and sharing your stories. <laughs> So awesome. I, I think your story is way better than the Spike Lee movie, by the way. Uh, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. 
Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with not only your trivia, but another lesson. Gambling is dangerous. I've now picked up the 10 bucks I won, and to prove how dangerous this is, I bought 10 more lottery tickets. And purely in the interest of time, I've scratched off nine already. Non-winners. Here's the 10th one now, where you'll learn that gambling is just, it's silly. Just scratch here, and it's going to prove my point. I'll just keep on scratching, and both stars so far. That's kind of interesting. And a third star, let me look in the back. What does that third star mean? I want a hundred bucks! A hundred bucks! Are you kidding me? You know how much corn I can buy to celebrate National Corn on the Cobb Day? It's going to be a cornucopia kind of day! Wow! Wow! Before I buy anything, though, let's get you to your trivia, shall we? To celebrate corn on the Cobb Day, how about this one? Corn is produced on every continent except which one? I'll be back with the answer and the fruit of my good luck in just a moment. When's the last time you thought about your bank account? Maybe your savings account. How about that credit card debt that you have hanging over your head? Well, guess what? If it's time for you to get your house in order, you want to head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because at Magnify Money, they have over 92% of all of the different products that are out there, whether it's a savings account, a checking account, an auto loan, a consolidation loan for your debt, a business loan, maybe student loan refinance. There is one place where you should go that has more places than ever and then anyone else online, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. What I like about it is their number one objective. They're going to give you your best deal instead of their best deal, like some other sites that I won't name. And then second, I really like the fact that they also talk about the fine print because you don't want to get over your head and commit to something where you don't know what the fine print is. And Magnify Money's fine print score makes it easy for you to compare, ditch, switch, and save a bunch of money. The average person saves about 450 bucks. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money and save for yourself. Stacky Benjamins is also supported by Slack. We use Slack here in the basement, so I'm so happy that they are with us. Slack is a collaboration hub where in the Stacking Benjamins basement, listen, putting together these podcasts, way more work than you think that it is. And we need to all be on the same page. And if your organization needs everyone on the same page or like us, you've got lots of different partners that you're working with. We have partners we're working with on several different projects and we need to bring those all together so that we have the heartbeat all the time. Slack is a collaboration hub for work. Whatever work you do with Slack, the right people in your team are always kept in the loop and the information that they need to get the job done is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels and it lets you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need to work is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done with Slack. Your team's better connected. Find out more at slack.com. 
It's always frustrating to see people lose things. And with Slack, it's easy to not lose things because you have all the tools and services you need in one place. We want to jump on a call together. We'll use a peer in through Slack or we'll use Screen Hero through Slack. We also can pull in spreadsheets automatically into the Slack conversation. We have it all right there. And if we need to look back and say, hey, who is responsible for that thing? Where did we leave that? It's so easy to just go back into a conversation. You put in a few keywords and bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> you've, you've got the conversation back at your fingertips. And with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up the conversation where you left off no matter where you're at. Pick up the work wherever you left off. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And you know, I was just thinking, we need to keep teaching you a lesson about just how bad gambling is, but it just, it's not working out. I mean, I've won twice, but I got to do something to teach the kids out there that gambling is bad. You know, Bob down at the corner store mentioned that there's this horse in the third race down at the track named Glue Factory. It's got to be a shoe-in for today's race. Well... Bob's always wrong about this stuff, so I bet the whole thing on Glue Factory, all hundred bucks. You're now going to learn just how silly it is to gamble, kids. Here they go. Okay, look at that. Race just started. Glue Factory's fading fast. Yeah, I mean, this is why you don't gamble. See what I mean? It doesn't pay. So let's get to your trivia. To celebrate a worthwhile holiday like National Corn on the Cob Day, here was the question. Corn is produced on every continent except which one? If you said Antarctica, you'd be correct. Hey, what's... Whoa, 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 whoa! What is going on? Glue factory coming from the back of the pack? Come on, baby! Come on! Come on, baby! Down the stretch! Glue factory to third! Go! 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 Oh, my God! Glue factory's won it! He's won the whole thing! I just won $3,000! Sizzler's on me, pals. Everybody show up at the Sizzler in Texarkana. I'm buying everybody shrimp cocktail. See ya. I think Doug might be learning the wrong lesson. Doug kind of always learns the wrong lesson, doesn't he? No, never. Doug? We talk about the same Doug? Hey, OG, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's, or in this case, life insurance's most important questions. Our friends down at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most. Butter and corn, baby. Oh, the one-two punch. I don't know, though. You got to have three because salt's got to be on there, too. Gotta... I make a hella good cream corn, just saying. Oh, you know what I'm missing? I haven't done corn on the cob on the grill in forever. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have that all the time. That's for the win. That's a that's a staple. Yep. That is. Do you for do the it win. in the husk or outside of the? In the husk. Got to do right. it in so the you husk. Soak it. Absolutely. You soak it. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, but you know what you soak it in? Butter. <laughs> and there was, and there was a friend of mine last summer who had butter and garlic salt. No oh, boy. Oh. Mm. Just, mm. just heaven. That's, that's my baby making music right there. Uh. That got creepy in a hurry. <laughs> That's an anchorman quote. Come on. Haven, it's still creepy. <laughs> Even then, I thought, man, that was creepy. <laughs> but, but 
In this case, it's your family and your time. Just saying. It's why they created a simple way to buy affordable and dependable term life insurance online. It was so exciting talking to them on Monday about all the disruption happening in that company and going on in life insurance in general with some companies like Haven Life. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free estimate for coverage and to learn about life insurance the modern way. And up to bat today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our good friend, Tony. Say, hey, Tony. Hey, Joe and OG. This message is for Doug, obviously. My wife is a PE teacher and is starting a side hustle this summer where she hosts a week-long summer camp at the local rec center. All the details have been worked out with the rec center to allow us to work in their space and fall under their insurance umbrella. We're paying them a set fee per kid, and we get to pocket the rest of the cash, minus expenses. It's looking like this summer she might end up clearing around four dollars to $5,000, but in the future she hopes to double that money or more by adding another week-long session. My question is, what's the best way to manage the finances for this camp? If it grows, she'll likely hire some hourly employees from the local high school, and there'll be a few extra expenses for supplies, snack breaks, first aid, things like that. Um, should we set up a personal business account, just keep track of it um, like we do our normal money, or uh, should we blow it all the sizzler after the last day so there's no money to worry about? Do we need to talk about an LLC? Uh, this is all brand new to us. We're young and still trying to figure out our way out from underneath some student loans, and uh, we hope that this will help us get a jump on that and maybe start saving some extra for retirement. Um, we live in Texas, if that makes a difference. And uh, you can pass Doug's answer on to me or just tell him to meet us at the Sizzler after camp. See you. Thanks. For the, thanks. For the, Tony never listens to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Tony, for the question. And uh, I don't even think we're going to pass that one on to Doug. Sorry, Tony. Because Doug's already at the Sizzler. Hello. Yeah, no kidding. I love this idea, by the way, right? Like taking something that you're already good at, something that you already do, and then expand it, right? So wifey's got a few week break there during the summer, says, you know what? This is what I do. Why don't I just do it and charge people for it? Make more money. Especially during the summer when everybody is trying to find places to put their kids. Fantastic idea. The way that I would look at this uh, first year is just kind of as a trial run, right? So you kind of get to the end of the, the the first week of doing this, you're going to do one week, just kind of evaluate it and say, okay, here's what we spent per kid. Here's what, you know, we ended up buying juice boxes and sidewalk chalk or whatever. And you kind of can get an idea of what that looks like as you expand it moving forward. Whatever that cost is, I would make sure you set that aside for next year. So you've got seed capital, so to speak, for next year's run at this. And if you're planning on doing it to two weeks, you know, then obviously double it. So I would do that. And then the rest of that money, yeah, absolutely. I'd use that pay down debt, build cash reserve, invest it, do whatever floats your boat. In the future, I don't know that you have to get really overly complicated with, you know, hiring a payroll company. You know, you got kids that you have to manage and, you know, all that sort of stuff. When it gets to employees and that sort of thing, not exactly sure how you want to handle that. There's several ways to kind of knock that out. Maybe kids want to volunteer for like course credit or something like that, right? That might be an idea. You can get a college kid that looks that looks for uh, uh, an internship or something. You know, who knows? There's lots of different ways to kind of solve that problem. If if you do end up having employees, there are some online payroll services that charge next to nothing. 
So I would scour the internet. I'd join uh, like a, a business group. There are all kinds of entrepreneurial groups online. Join one of those closed Facebook groups and, and, and ask them. Heck, you could even ask people in our Stacky Benjamin's basement. There's plenty of entrepreneurs there. Ask them what services that they use and you'll get, uh, you'll get a few different ideas uh, uh, for payroll. In terms of setting up the LLC, I kind of worry about that. The LLC, I think, is your first line of defense. Not necessarily easy to set up. And for the first year, with the amount of money she's making, it, it's going to be taking it on the chin a little bit because you're going to spend way more money setting that up than it probably seems like it's worth in year one. But if it expands over time, if that's the goal, then that's something that setting up once at the beginning takes care of itself and you never have to worry about it again. Yeah, in Texas, it costs I think about three hundred dollars to uh, to set up a limited liability company. The other thing that I was thinking too is when anytime you're working with kids, now obviously your wife's a teacher, so she's done all that background check stuff. But when you bring other people in, now you got to be thinking about background check stuff for that person. I was just thinking about the uh, rec league that my kids play baseball in, and all the coaches have to go through the background check, you know, to get the official coach badge, you know, that puts them in the practice facility and puts them on the field with the young kids. So, you know, there's probably other things that, that we're not even thinking about here, but I think this first year is definitely the trial run, right? She may not want to do it. She may get done with this and go, this is, I don't care how much money they pay me. I do not want to hang out with this many kids for a week, <laughs> you know, which would be my reaction to it. But, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so I can already tell what mine would be. Um, I'd also ask you the idea. Yeah. I'd ask your tax person too, about that amount of money and, uh, doing uh, quarterly payments to the IRS. Should you do quarterly payments? Uh, the thing I like, by the way, about having a payroll company, if you hire employees, is that a lot of time they'll take care of that. They'll take care of submitting the payroll taxes on your behalf, which is really cool. One less thing for you to have to worry about. She can worry about what she likes, which is hanging out with the kids, teaching kids, and not worry about uh, how how the intricacies of payroll work. Very cool opportunity. Yeah, nice job, Tony. Thanks for the question. We also get letters down here in the basement. Today we have a letter from Nick. Nick has a very simple question. Nick asked, how do you access the Stacky Benjamin Stackers newsletter from the website? Well, it's a great question, Nick. Actually, it's much, much easier than that. You just put it link in your URL. You put in stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker, S-T-A-C-K-E-R. And then nearly once a week, you'll get an email from me uh, to your inbox magically. The cool thing, it's always free. You can always unsubscribe if you want. However, mom puts hers on the fridge. Last week, we talked about investment fees. I got a little surly there, OG. I got a little uh, little surly. Yeah, I'm reading it right now. You're an angry elf. <laughs> Start off a little <laughs> angry, but it gets all sunshiny by the end. We try to keep it yeah, positive. Yeah, talk about cake. So that's Yes, it, you can't go wrong talking about cake. Mom's favorite example. Uh, stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker is how you get that, Nick. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for us or for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see questions for the show. Click on that link and guess what? It shows you all the ways that you can interface with us. Big thanks to Jamie Wise. Thanks also to Aja McClanahan for stopping by. Find her principles of increase. Uh, you can head to our show notes for the link, stackybenjamins.com. And uh, last thing here, 
If you're ready to get serious about your money, OG's taking clients. We talk all the time about becoming a money ninja. We talked today about doing some fairly, fairly difficult things like moving into not the world's best neighborhood to save a dollar. You could have OG yell at you. How great would that be? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. I do a lot of yelling. I'm not sure about that, but I might recommend that you move. We could have a segment with somebody who's coping with uh, OG yelling at them. Wouldn't that be great? I, I would. We have Aja McClanahan moving to the rough streets, and we've got uh, Billy Bob who decided to work with OG. We're not sure which one is, which one's tougher. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash letter O. Letter G when you're ready to get started. Private Pile, why is your footlocker unlocked? Sir, I don't know, sir. Private Pile, if there is one thing in this world that I hate, it is an unlocked footlocker. You know that, don't you? Sir, yes, sir. If it wasn't for like you, there wouldn't be any thamer in this world, would there? Sir, yes, sir. Get out. There weren't any like you. There wouldn't be any thievery. It's his fault that people steal shit. <laughs> Holy sh! What is that? What the f is that? What is that, Private Pile? Sir, it's a jelly donut, sir! Sir, yes, sir! Oh, I didn't get here! Sir, I took it from the mess hall, sir! Let's There you have it. That's a recent meeting with OG. <laughs> that we recorded. What the is that? Right. Sir, it's a credit card, sir! A credit card. The <laughs> credit card's bought. Oh, we can totally spoof this whole thing. <laughs> is that an interest payment on a credit card? All right, Doug, before he goes off the deep end, what should we have learned today, man? So what did we learn today? First, check your statements so you don't end up with a messy toilet paper situation. Second, take some advice from Aja McClanahan. In money trouble, take drastic action. You'll be happy you did. But the big lesson, when you win big, share the wealth. No, I don't mean share the money. I mean, I'm betting again, and Jimmy's sweaty kid Malone is fighting in a few minutes, and we bet Joe's mom's social security check on it. I cannot lose. Sure, he's never made it past the third round, but that means he's due. Special thanks for Aja McClanahan for what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Jimmy's sweaty kid Malone got knocked out in 34 seconds? Joe's mom's social security check is gone? Uh, 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 thanks to Aja McClanahan for joining us on today's show. You'll find her writing and videos and podcast and more at principlesofincrease.com. Oh my God, how did he lose in 34 seconds? Thanks also to Jamie Wise for appearing live via audio tape for today's show. You'll find him manning the helm at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash buzz, which will take you right to the buzz index. What's that now? What's that? Phone, phone call for me. Hello? Yeah? You forgot to place my bet. You forgot to place... What? How could you forget to place my bet? I should have come down there in that... Whoa, 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 whoa. You forgot to place my bet? You forgot to place my bet? Oh my God, that's great. See, kids, betting doesn't pay. It just doesn't pay, kids. And on behalf of National Corn on the Cob Day, for a second there I thought I'd back myself into a corner. Corner? Backed into a corner? No? Okay. 
What do you get when a corn cob is run over by a truck? Creamed corn. That one's better, right? That's that's just better. It's no, no. Okay. What do you call a mythical veggie? A unicorn. No, <laughs> no that's that's just fun. no, no. Okay. Uh, what do you tell Mays after it graduates from high school? Congratulations. Oh, come on. Now that one is money. All right. Uh, how is an ear of corn like an army? Both have lots of kernels. Yeah, no, that one sucks. Hey, these aren't going over. What is? Anyone know any good corn puns? I need them for my screenplay project, Corn Hero 3, Just Doing My Cop. No? Come on, people. You're humorless. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. So here's the after show. Can't talk about the after show. I'm tired of saying we can't talk about the after show. Just don't talk about it. Don't say after show. Say dessert if you have to. Full Metal Jacket is probably one of my favorite movies, at least the beginning part of it. It's very descriptively accurate. I think most Marines would recognize that there are some very, very, very true things that happen there. Maybe physical abuse. Don't sign off on that. But um didn't happen when I was there, but I have this very distinct memory of when I was in San Diego and a very similar thing to private pile, having the jelly donut in his footlocker. Only, uh, this recruit was taking peanut butter and jelly from the mess hall, right? Like you had little packets and now you have to recognize if you've never been in the military or been in boot camp or military college, you don't have 25 minutes to eat your lunch. You have like seven right? Like you do nothing other than eat while you sit there. Like you're eating and chewing and stuffing food, you know? And so sometimes you don't get to eat all your lunch. Sometimes you're good, you know, and you get kind of hungry. Anyway, so this guy's taking peanut butter and jelly. We had a problem at the Citadel when I was a freshman that, that some upperclassmen just to be jerks would sit there the entire lunch and make you, cause you had to serve everybody and you couldn't eat while you were serving them. 
So we had right. to we we had to try to get a few bites so you could barely eat while the upperclassmen were there. And then one by one, the upperclassmen got it right and they would leave and you'd have a jerk. And 99 times out of 100, by the way, it was a sophomore. And also 99 times out of 100, it was the when I was a sophomore, I learned this. It was the dude that was the whiniest freshman of all. The one that couldn't take it was the one who dished it out the oh, yeah. worst. He's going to he's going to have paybacks. Right? Oh, he was the biggest. They, it was amazing. I'm like, really? I wish I could have, I wish I would have filmed you last year and how you were whining about everything. And now you're the biggest hard ass of all. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So we've got this young man that, um, that wants to have peanut butter and jelly in his foot locker. So almost the exact same thing happens, right? He's, I mean, they're packets like peanut butter packets, right? Yeah. And he would just squeeze a peanut butter packet, squeeze a jelly packet. Now he's got a little, little sustenance, right? Different times during the day. Now, Nobody's going to rat him out. I'm not going to, you know, that's Bravo foxtrotting. You yeah. know, you're not going to do that. Sure, right. But he got caught. And so, so this dude, they made him take all the peanut butter and all the jelly and he had to paint half his face in peanut butter oh, no. and half his face in jelly. Oh, no. And the way that the uh, squad bays are kind of set up, like where you, you know, you're, where you're sleeping and stuff like big bunk room. Right. And so there's like, two to a floor, like left and right, and then second floor, left and right, third floor, left and right. So there's like six in one unit, right? In one apartment unit kind of thing. So he was at the top, and he had to go into every single one. And it was, it was, there's so many levels of this. Like you can't go into somebody else's squad room, right? Unless you're part of that group that was really frowned upon and frowned upon to the extent of physical, yeah. you know. yeah. Training. So he goes from one and he comes running to the other, like skipping around like like a school kid. But that was what he had to do. That was his punishment. And he would skip in. Right. And he doesn't belong there. So everybody's like, what are you? you know, freaking out. And he skips around going, I am a thief. I am a thief. I am a thief. <laughs> Until one of the drill instructors comes out, you know, their little duty station and go, what the? Who the are you? Give me. You know, and so he's getting thrashed and then he has to go to the next one. He's and he knew you know. and, and he knew it was coming. I mean, he's you, sweating peanut butter now because yeah. it's like all over his yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's, you yeah. know, because and so he had to do that six times, you know, as he kind of went from one hut to the next. I am a thief. I am a thief. I have and, another funny story. We'll tell another time. And, and, and you know, candy. you know, when you set off on that journey, it's not going to end well. Yes, I was the gray man in, in boot camp. Like when we graduated, they're like, who are you? I'm like, yes, I did it right. <laughs> you have no idea who I am. I made it. <laughs> they called uh, people like me because I was on the track and cross country team ghost knob because freshman year, you're a, you're a knob because you have a knobby head because they shave your head. I'm a knob again, apparently. <laughs> but, yes. but I'm getting back there. Thumbs around. I'm, I'm going back. But we had a knobby head. And so you're called a knob. And I was a ghost knob meaning you're never around. So it was nearly the same. By the end of the year, they didn't know as much about you as they did people that weren't athletes and showed up every yep. day for formation. Yep. I had to do a fashion show one time, which was not not fun. Um, it wasn't it wasn't like a a real quality one. No, well, well, our battalions at the Citadel, they're set up. You might have seen pictures. I mean, you can Google this, but there's a checkerboard in the middle where often upperclassmen would use freshmen wearing different hats as pieces and they would actually play chess where one guy's sure. on one side yelling, you know, for this piece to move and that piece to move. But 
that's in the middle. And then there's these open balconies, four levels with circular stairways in each corner. And so you'd start on the first floor just in your PTs. So you've got your white t-shirt, blue shorts, and you had to do 15 push-ups at every stop. So halfway between the stairways here, halfway between the stairways here, 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 and then you go up to the next floor here, 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 and then all the way up to the third, all the way up to the floor, and you had to yell it, uh, sir, one sir, sir, two sir, sir, three sir, sir, four sir, and you'd, you'd yes, yeah, so they know you're doing it even when they can't see you. Of course, later on you learn. Oh, really. yeah. You totally you learn. Just yell. Oh, yeah. You totally learn where they're at, and they know that's happening, by the way. You know, I didn't think about it then, but of course they knew that I'm sitting there, my arms are shaking, you know, because I've done so many. Because when you get done with the first one, you have to run back to them. And now you shut everybody your PTs. And now you have to put your dailies on, on top of your PTs and do it again. And you go around. And then you get done with that. And then you put your dress blues on. And you put that, and then you put your wools on over that, the winter stuff, over your dress, over your dailies, over your PTs, and you do those. And the last thing you do, the last go around, you put on your raincoat which is plastic and doesn't breathe. And that, that last one, you weigh a billion pounds. You can barely move anyway. You're sweating like a dog. You're in Charleston, South Carolina. And that was, that was a fashion yeah. show. Not, not pretty. Cool. You know, we'll talk about the movie next time. I went and saw Solo. Oh, yeah. I heard that's out. Yeah, yeah. Do we want to do that or we want to wait? Let's wait. We'll do that next week. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.